Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. So in this message from June 23rd, we're looking into growing in faith, spiritual maturity, and the factors that lead to that. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul talks about the role of mentors, our attitude as believers, and, and of course, community. And along those lines, I want to mention that we just ran the table on Tuesday night, which is a gathering where we have a meal together, we do some sort of spiritual exercise, reflecting over the scriptures, and then we have a conversation. We just did one this last Tuesday night, and it was really good. We'll be doing this two more Tuesday nights, so this is a good way to practice some of the things I'm talking about in this message today. So, let's head to North Shore Vineyard. Thanks for listening. Well, I want to do a brief recap of the, the message from last week. And um, in John chapter 16, Jesus sits down his disciples and he says, I'm leaving you guys, but it's good that I'm going because I'm going to send the spirit, the spirit of truth. The spirit will guide you into all truth and will testify of me and will reveal to you things that I want to tell you, but you're not ready for. And this is a this is a, a similar conversation that's recorded in other parts of the gospel as well, but it is such a revolutionary thing that Jesus is saying. Oftentimes, people think of Jesus as the founder of the religion of Christianity. I don't think there's anything in the gospels that leads me to believe Jesus was trying to start a religion. Rather, Jesus, in this statement, is inviting his disciples into a relationship with God that's not external. As amazing as it must have been to be with Jesus in person, it was still an external relationship. And Jesus is saying, there's a new day here where you can relate to God by the very presence of God within you. And you can learn what the truth is by that spirit. You can learn how to live. It will bring to mind the things that Jesus said in your life. This is amazing stuff here. We kind of read it growing up in Christianity, like, all right, great. But no, this is, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. Now, my message last week, I called it, uh, the answer is blowing in the wind, taken from a Bob Dylan song. But one reason... I wasn't just trying to get a Bob Dylan song in here. Um, But one reason I did the Bob Dylan song was the word translated spirit, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. The Greek word translated spirit in the New Testament is pneuma. Both of these words can mean spirit, but they can also mean breath. They can also mean wind. And, you know, I wrote a song many years ago called Grace Is. And the chorus of this song, the lyrics are, Grace is a constant wind a-blowing o'er the troubled waters of my soul. Faith is raising up a sail, releasing the oars and letting go. Now, I wrote that song because I was kind of contemplating my own journey with, with God, and I realized that 
I got this picture in my mind of being in a boat out on a lake. Imagine Lake Pontchartrain. And I'm in this boat in the middle of this lake, and I'm trying to get to the other side, and I'm rowing, and I'm rowing. My dad has a rowboat uh, up in East Texas out on this lake he lives on. And it's not my favorite mode of transportation. I get in that rowboat, and I'm wishing I was in a kayak. Because kayaks are hydrodynamic. They cut through the water. But this rowboat, it's wide and flat, and it's, you're working. You're sweating. It's a whole lot of work to go very small distances. And in this picture in my mind, I, I saw myself in this boat, and I'm rowing and rowing, and I'm sweating, and it's really hard, and I'm hardly getting anywhere. And then I realized I'm not in a rowboat I'm in a sailboat. Better to raise up the sail and let the wind carry me. The wind of God's Spirit, the wind of God's grace. The wind of God's Spirit is always blowing, and yet it requires something from us to let that movement, that energy, that life propel us. See, the work of the Christian journey is not trying really hard to be a moral person and do the right thing and, you know, grit and determination and willfulness. What I'm starting to realize over the years of my journey with God is that faith is more akin to raising up a sail than it is willfully trying to just plow along and make everything happen. Faith is learning how to trust your life to God. Now, if you've ever been on, how many, how many people have been on a sailboat in here? I mean, Al and Judy, they, they competitively sailed back in the day. And you just got a boat. Sailing does require work, right? You don't just stick up that sail and then all of a sudden it's just going to, it requires work. But it's a different sort of work. The thing that moves the boat is not the power of the boat, it's the power of the wind. And in the same way, in our own lives, we all have access to the Spirit of God, as Jesus said. We have access to the Spirit of truth, but that wind of the Spirit will do us no good as long as we're holding the oars, as long as we just keep trying to propel ourselves by our own effort, our own strength, the best that we can do. As long as you can do that, you're just going to wear yourself out. You may get a little far down the road, but oftentimes... When you're in a place of willfulness, you're also in a place of resentfulness. My, my first years as a Christian, I was not a very nice person because I hated so much stuff in my own life and I was trying so hard to fix it that I had no patience for anybody else who had any struggles that reminded me of my own stuff. I was judgmental of other people that, that were struggling with the very things that I was trying to overcome because I was trying so hard. When I learned to let go, to learn to, to put my efforts more on the side of surrender, of trust, of yielding to the Spirit of God, of learning to live in awareness of what God's doing, it was a game changer. Now that takes work there, but it's a different kind of work. Jesus is inviting his disciples into relationship with God. Jesus isn't setting up a religion the religion of Christianity would come later. But Jesus is starting off by saying, you can actually be in relationship with God. God's spirit can dwell within you. And you can learn to live by that spirit. The problem is oftentimes, though, we, we confuse the religion of Christianity with 
relationship with God. And they're not the same thing. Now, religion, I believe, has its place. I mean, what we've done in here this morning, there's aspects of it that you call religious. You know, we take the Eucharist, we sing worship songs, we pray the Lord's Prayer. There are religious things we do. If by religion we mean the practices and rituals that we all do together as a community of faith. But the problem is oftentimes we look at religion as God itself. We make an idol of our ideology. We make an idol of our beliefs. And like any other idol... It doesn't satisfy. To put it this way, it's, it's kind of like, you know, as a musician, I'm, I'm, I'm always practicing piano or guitar, uh, practicing songwriting. I want to get better as a musician. I want to get more skillful at it, and that requires practice. But the very practices to get better are not the music itself. The instruments I play are not the music <laughs> The music is, is akin to the spirit, the life. And all the practicing I do is ultimately so I can participate in the music, and the music gets better, and it can connect with people, and myself included. So today, I want to look at some of the practices or some of the, the, the factors that we can learn from Scripture that can help us in our spiritual formation. If that wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing, if we have access to the Spirit of truth, how do we learn to live by the Spirit of truth in a way that will help us grow and mature in faith, that will become solid people, that we won't just be tossed here and there by every trend that passes by in our country, but we can actually grow into stable solid, loving people. Who wants that? All right. It's just crazy up in here this morning. So the, the passage today is um, Ephesians. I think it's chapter 4. I forgot. To, I lost my... Uh, it cut off the part where it said the actual passage. Um, I think it's Ephesians 4. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says... As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all. And in all. Verse 11, he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God who be- and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking tr- tr- the truth in love, we will grow to become every, in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. 
They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not grieve, give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. It's a pretty long passage. I apologize for that. And I cut some of it out just for brevity. (laughs) But the first thing that Paul says, and this this whole passage really is about spiritual formation. It's about growing. It is about learning to live by the Spirit of God. The way on at the top of this verse is to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This kind of reminds me of the opening of the Beatitudes. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, came to believe that my life was unmanageable and out of control. You don't get to go on to the other steps apart from admitting your weakness. Live with an attitude of humility and humbleness. We have all sorts of people a part of North Shore Vineyard that have all kinds of different uh, beliefs on politics and religion. But what unites us is Jesus and the Spirit and our movement towards that. That's where our unity is. We are all going to be correcting our, our uh, view of Jesus as, uh, you know, throughout our life. But make every effort to walk in humility, to humbleness. Humbleness, that's probably not a word, is it? The second, is it? Okay, it didn't sound like a word as I said it. The second thing, Paul talks about, he says, Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. Now, I don't consider myself a priest. I don't think any of y'all do either. I joke around with pastor friends from other denominations. I'm like, if anybody calls me pastor at North Shore Vineyard, they're usually joking with me or something. <laughs> but I'm not, a, I'm not a priest. A priest is a mediator between people and God. Like in the Old Testament, Moses goes up Mount Sinai, meets with God, comes down the mountain, tells him, this is what God says for y'all to do. I'm not that. You know, Hebrews says there's one mediator between us and God, and that's Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. What Paul is saying is there are some people who are called vocationally to help equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's not pastor's job or teacher's jobs to do everything in the church. It's actually 
my, my vocation is try to help you live by the Spirit, help you understand what God wants, help you get involved in those things. And that's why we put so much in our calendar that's, that's like even the table thing that we're doing Tuesday night, uh, learning these spiritual practices where we can contemplate God, learning how to do different things, outreach, and, 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 and why we gather even every Sunday morning. There's some people that do But I think there's another way to look at what Paul's saying here. We need mentors. We need mentors in our faith. I, I got to tell you, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have people who were much further along in the journey than I was who've helped me every step of the way. I wouldn't. I mean, still to this day. I call up people every week that are much farther down the journey than I am to, to, to get wisdom, to get counsel. Some of my mentors have been people I've known. Some of them have been authors I've read or speakers that I never got to, 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 to meet personally, but they've influenced my life. We need people to do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of using some stuff from uh, the recovery movement today because I find it's, it's very compelling <laughs> in the life of a Christian, in Christianity. But if you go to like Alcoholics Anonymous and you decide, I want to get help, I'm an alcoholic, after you attend a few meetings, you decide you want to start working the steps, you're going to find a sponsor. And what's a sponsor, Ricky? And why can they help you through the steps? Yeah. A sponsor is someone who can help you and guide you through the steps, and the only reason they can is because they've done the steps and they got some stability. They've made it down the road. And with a sponsor, you meet with your sponsor every week, maybe a few times a week, and if something goes south at 3 o'clock in the morning, you get to call your sponsor. And they're, they're up for that. That's what they signed up for. You're not alone in the journey, though. The same way, we need people in our lives to help us Move down the road. Paul says that this is one of the gifts to the church. Paul also says we grow as a body. This is not a solo endeavor. You know, when I was a new Christian, I, I heard so often people say, you know, you need to have a personal relationship with God. I, I mean, I believe that to a certain extent, but the problem was it was only emphasized as a personal relationship with God. And I think that really appeals to us in the United States where we just so value our individualism and our private personal relationship with God. Paul doesn't say anything about a personal relationship with God in here. Everything Paul says in here and in most of his letters is about relating to God as a community. I found in my own life, I need mentors I need people who've gone down the journey further than me. I need brothers and sisters, people who are in the same place with me. And I also need people that I'm helping. I put at the bottom of your outline today, step 11 and 12 from uh, the 12 steps. It says, step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles in all of our affairs. 
They got this stuff from Christianity, by the way. This is really the path. You come in, you don't know Jesus, your life's a mess, you admit that, you start going down the journey with some other people, you get some mentors in the faith, but ultimately this is moving to where you can be a mentor, where you can be somebody who can help somebody else out. And if we get stalled anywhere along this process, we're missing out on something valuably important. As we grow as a body, Paul says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, there's a, as we pursue this together, we all begin finding our place in this body. It's how the way God planned, how God planned it. Verse 22, Paul writes, Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. You know, we we think of repentance oftentimes as a dirty word in our country uh, because a lot of mean people hold up signs saying repent, you know, and say just, you know, you have, it conjures up street preachers. In New Orleans on Bourbon Street, you know. But repentance really just means to rethink your life in light of Christ. It means to change your way of thinking. And Paul is saying, it's time to put off your old self. You know, and, and I would say this is, this is something akin to dealing with your ego. <laughs> you know, your ego is important to, to emerge out of childhood. You come up with all these ways of dealing with the world that help you navigate you know, growing up, but at some point your ego gets in your way from, from true growth. You, you begin to think that you are just your position in the world. You are just your gifts. You are just what people say of you. And you're living in this very external part of your life. Putting off your old self requires going down in and letting the light of God shine in, letting God heal up the things on the inside, learning to live from your true self. But it, ca- it's, it, it requires a rethinking. So in closing, the way on is humility, it's patience, The way forward is together with mentors, with brothers and sisters, with people that we're open to help in their journey if we're a little bit further along the way. And as we do this, we begin to deal with this external stuff. And and, and look, I got to tell you, I tried dealing with a lot of my external, you know, my ego and stuff just by myself for many years. Even friends in the journey are helpful for that. I got friends who continually kick me in the butt, you know, and, and, and I'm thankful for that. 
I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I interviewed a guy for my podcast a few months ago who, um, he stopped pastoring about the time that we started this church, and he hasn't been in the church since since we started this church. So he's been gone from church about as long as we have. And I was interviewing him for the my podcast. He's a Christian cartoonist, and um, I asked him. I said, "What is it that you miss most about the church?" He said, "Oh, that's easy, community." He says, "Ever since we've been out of church, he says you don't realize how hard it is to make friends." When you're not in the church, like when you're just trying to strike up friendships with like, like it's so hard to have any relationship of depth with just a coworker. Because you know, I mean, you might be way away on a lot of things, but it's like church is like one of the simplest place places to experience community. I want to invite you guys out this Tuesday night, 630. We're doing the table. And the table is one of these things where we are helping each other learn to listen to the Spirit of God together. We have a reading from Scripture. We'll have dinner together. We share a meal. Talk about how hot it is. That will be one of the topics. And uh, after dinner, we'll have a reading of a passage from Psalms or one of the parables of Jesus And we do this thing called Lectio Divina where we just try to get quiet and pay attention to a word or a phrase that may be speaking to each one of us in in a particular way. And after we do this spiritual exercise for 10 or 15 minutes, then we have a conversation of what we feel like God is speaking to us. And so we learn to hear from the scriptures. We learn to hear from the spirit within us and engaging scriptures. But we also learn to hear from what God is doing in other people. We're growing in connection with God, in context with community. God has given you the spirit of truth. It's available to you. The spirit is available for every one of us. But unless we have the intentionality of of learning how to raise up the sail, learning how to be attentive to that voice, it does us no good. So my encouragement for you today, if you can find something, whether it's Tuesday night, (laughs) Put some intentionality into your life. Don't let Christianity be merely a religion, merely a belief system. Treat it like a relationship. Put the intentionality into that relationship that you would put into any other important relationship. All right, why don't y'all stand? Lord, this morning, we ask, Holy Spirit, we say, come Holy Spirit. We pray one of the oldest prayers going back to the early church. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask for your direction, your guidance in our lives, Lord. Lord, are there people in our life that that could mentor us, that could give us some help, some people that are further down the journey than we are? Lord, reveal to us those that, that could help. Lord, reveal to us, Lord, where we need to, to put more into 
our relationships with one another, God. And Lord, if there's people that we can help go down the journey, Lord, we ask for your wisdom and guidance in that. Lord, help us by your grace to put aside the old self and to live into the new self, Lord. Our God-given self, Lord, was created in your image. Lord, we ask this as individuals and we ask this as a church, Lord, that as we continue to move towards you, Jesus, as we continue to seek first your kingdom, Lord, that we would all find our place or that we would experience your life, your love, your transformation, Lord, and that it would spill out into this community, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.